at the time I thought Elmer's right. This is Tesla. Tesla bulls, they don't care about stuff like that. The secondary offering in February, they didn't care about that. The Tesla Q podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended for and should not be used as financial, investment, or trading advice. Research associated with fiscal decisions should be conducted elsewhere. The host of the show possesses no license or credentials to warrant accepting advice based on what is heard on the Tesla Q podcast. Additionally, even though the host and guests may hold positions in companies discussed on the show, they don't have insights into the next time step of the simulation. Therefore, do not make any financial decisions based on the contents of the this podcast. For anyone curious about that baby crying sound, that is in fact my single digit week old daughter. It is not Elon Musk crying about not being included in the S&P 500. Most of this episode was recorded around noon on Friday, the 4th of September 2020, prior to the S&P 500 committee's announcement that three companies not named Tesla are being added to the index. So I didn't talk about that during the main part of the episode. Also, I didn't didn't get into a lot of other aspects of deeper thinking, such as thinking about interest rates and how having excessively low interest rates for a long period of time creates bad incentives uh, and moral hazard and that type of thing. So I'll cover some stuff like that on some future episodes. And I'm not going to have anything on on this episode further about the S&P 500 decision other than just to say that I had a, a thread on Twitter with about 12 different items of tweets that I'd made in the past where I expressed that I was not convinced that the S&P 500 committee would make the decision to add Tesla because of all the various red flags in their financials. The fact that $782 million of regulatory credits was required to print $120 million of bottom line gap net income uh, for the first half of 2020, uh, things like that. So check that out on Twitter. And now for the main portion of the episode. Hello and welcome to episode number 66 of the Tesla Q podcast, soon to be renamed the Not That Evil podcast. This is the first new episode in about two months uh, in the intervening period. My wife and I have welcomed our first child into the world. So there's now a, a, a little Miss TQP. So that's been a, a big change for us. She's doing great. Mom's doing great. Baby's super healthy. So that's going well. The market, of course, has been crazy, especially with Tesla, with the, the share split and uh, the, all the, the hoopla about potential S&P 500 inclusion, which still has not been confirmed or anything. So Plenty has gone on since the last episode. I don't quite remember what I talked about last last episode. I've been a little bit sleep deprived compared to my previous self over these past almost two months now since the baby has arrived. But hopefully I haven't totally forgotten how to make a podcast. So this is episode 66. Tesla, of course, had the quarter two delivery numbers and then subsequent gap bottom line reported profit in quarter two, and that, that caused the share price to rise considerably. Then the share price got kind of weak. Then they announced the share split, and that caused the price to almost double. So the weakness, with the with the price weakness, it was down below 1400 And as of this past Tuesday, September 1st, in the pre-market, after the split, it was at about 538 which is the equivalent of 20, almost 2700 bucks. So almost a clean double from the announcement 
just to the share split. So uh, I'm not going to rehash the ins and outs of the mechanics of a share split and why it has no fundamental change to the underlying business whatsoever, uh, because I trust that my listeners are astute enough to be aware of that and to have read about that ad nauseum. So no more about that. So the share split became active after last Friday, the 28th of August. So Monday, the 31st was the the new share price. So price got up to about 500. Then on Tuesday morning in the pre-market, it got as high as 538. Then just after 7 a.m., Tesla announced that they are planning to raise up to $5 billion in an at-the-market offering. So for whatever reason, they are not doing an underwritten equity offering. They're not doing convertibles. They're not issuing senior secured debt, of course, because all of their assets have been encumbered for years in that regard. So many, many people on Twitter talked about the fact that doing an at-the-market offering was a sign of some weakness. And for whatever reason, apparently banks, banks didn't want to do a typical underwritten secondary offering. Tesla bulls, including Elmer, I'll, I'll include Elmer in that because he, he's bull Elmer on occasion on Twitter, mentioned that, oh, that all that that's baloney. That doesn't indicate weakness, blah, blah, blah. And at the time, I thought, Elmer's right. This is Tesla. Tesla bulls, they don't care about stuff like that. I mean, the secondary offering in February, they didn't care about that. Uh, the price did decline very soon after, but that was more of a, a market-driven, market-wide coronavirus decline-driven thing. But looks like I was a bit wrong in that regard, although most of Tesla's decline over the last couple of days has been due to the overall market decline. And the overall market decline, I have very mixed feelings about. Uh, not Not very mixed feelings. I have slightly mixed feelings about due to my personal situation this week. Uh, like, I was totally on top of it. I've had the megaphone driven, which are not driven, megaphone drawn, which the S&P 500 was hitting the top of just earlier this week, uh, maybe Monday or Tuesday. I forget exactly when it first hit the top of that megaphone. There was also the, the trend line from 1987 highs to 2000 highs to these latest 2020 highs, which also indicated that we were possibly at the, the nearing the top. Also, I was fully aware that the VIX was up while the market was hitting these new all-time highs. On Tuesday, the Dow hit 29,000, and Donald Trump, of course, tweeted his exuberance about that. His son Eric even tweeted about it, which I didn't see until yesterday, I think, on Thursday, or maybe on Wednesday. So I was, as, as far as I knew, like with the amount of brain capacity that I had, I was very keen on the idea that the market was very close to a blow off top. But unfortunately, due to being a new father, uh, my wife had scheduled our newborn baby photos for Wednesday morning, which she had asked me in advance what, what day would be a good day. Apparently, there were only weekday slots available. And due to my typical work schedule, uh, Wednesday morning seemed like the best best time of the available options. And this was several weeks ago, so I okayed it. Then we get to this week, which I have every other Friday off. This is my Friday off, the 4th of September. But unfortunately, my workload for my regular job was pretty busy this week. And I could see that 
even last weekend. So when, when my wife reminded me about the Wednesday photo session, I was like, eee, I, I, that, I, don't, I don't like the idea of that. And lo and behold, Wednesday morning, Tesla has a big, big decline. And that was sort of the start. That was, that was the first inklings of the overall market decline as well. But because I was, uh, I was out at the, the photograph studio with my wife and, and baby, I was not able to be at the, the desk looking at prices and setting up trades and, and stops and everything. I did make a few trades at the studio, but uh, was not nearly as successful as I could have been that morning. Also, that put me behind with my regular work and caused me to need to work late that night, uh, Wednesday night. So I didn't get much sleep Wednesday night. So I wasn't ready for yesterday's decline. Had a work meeting, work meetings at 9 and 9.30 yesterday. The The 9 o'clock one went right up almost to the 9.30 one. So I missed out on what would have been perfect times for some entries for some tr- trades that I've been, I've been doing trades with uh, multiple spy puts uh, and setting stops and and letting them ride but because I was in those meetings I didn't do my typical type of trade there yesterday morning so my mixed feelings are on the one hand I'm very pleased to see that the absolute utter insanity of the market frothiness has started to be let out a little bit there's there's more plenty more room for it to go down further so in that regard I'm pleased to know that the world is not remaining fully irrational, even if it might, there's certainly pockets of irrationality all over the place. But on the other hand, I've, I could have capitalized so much more on this decline. And I was on, I, I was fully aware of the anomalous uh, VIX spiking while the market was hitting all time highs aspect of things. It was simply a matter of my brain only has so much capacity and, if I'm helping carry my daughter or or whatever, helping soothe her when she's crying, I'm not able to trade uh, as optimally as I otherwise would be able to. So in that regard, I'm I'm sad that I missed missed out on potential gains that could have been had on this, especially Wednesday, Thursday and Friday of this week. But on the other hand, I have a, a beautiful, healthy young daughter and we got some pictures taken, which will probably be fantastically cute and I will probably cherish them for forever and there will be more opportunities to make money in the market. I just need to figure out how best to to do that. But I am glad to see that the market frothiness is somewhat subsiding. So I don't know what my strategies will be going forward. I will hope to uh, to make money trading Tesla. I have started to, to look at started to be able to pinch my nose a little bit and trade it from the long side just because I know that it has its its spikes that come up from time to time so I need to get over the the aversion to making money on the long side with Tesla with with short-term trades uh, and and I'm starting to do that a little bit another couple things uh, I, I didn't make notes in advance but Troy Teslike put out his newest deliveries estimates for quarter three and quarter four for quarter three. I think it's a little bit over 142, 142,000 vehicles. And for quarter four, about 190 some thousand vehicles. As of Tuesday's market prices for Tesla and the NASDAQ and everything, 
I think those estimates could have had accuracy, assuming that the, the overall market and Tesla's share price wouldn't change. But with the market going down and with Tesla's share price coming down from its crazy, crazy high, I do think that will hurt Tesla's sales compared to what Troy was estimating. I'll go ahead and, and just throw out a random estimate and say that I think it'll be closer to 132000 for quarter three and maybe as low as 120000 for quarter four, depending on the overall market. Quarter four deliveries are highly, highly dependent on the wealth effect, in my opinion. I've looked back at, at Troy's spreadsheet of, of Model 3 configurations, and for the six-week period from March 17th, 2020, to May 8th, 2020, there were something like 11 Model 3 configurations in that entire six-week period. In the final two weeks of May, there was about 49 configurations in the tracker. So correlating that to Tesla's share price particularly, there's a clear wealth effect impact. So whether you decide to gauge that wealth effect impact solely looking at the Tesla share price or at the overall NASDAQ share price, which I think is more indicative than the, the S&P 500 for this purpose. Uh, I do think there will be a big impact based on how the market goes between now and say December, uh, as far as whether Tesla has any chance of hitting their 500,000 delivery guidance for the year. And whether deliveries equal sales, that's a, a very good question. Aaron Greenspan has has asked that question over and over and over. No, there, There's no clear answer from Tesla. Tesla is not the most forthcoming company. I personally think that it's a travesty that many, many people think of Tesla as an, an ESG darling with the environmental, socially responsible and good governance. Uh, that's what ESG stands for. It's a travesty, especially on the social and governance aspects. Tesla's corporate governance is probably the absolute worst of any company that's ever exceeded a $50 billion market cap. Maybe not the absolute worst, but it's it's up there tied, roughly tied with all the others that would also be considered the worst. Wirecard might fit into that. I don't know. Enron, perhaps. So the fact that they fail completely on the social and governance aspects and their environmental benefit is is grossly overstated in my opinion because it's yes yes they do not have tailpipe emissions battery electric vehicles move emissions away from the tailpipe yes that is true but depending on what the electricity is generated by there is still an emissions impact further up the supply chain and this this brings me to the the subject that i've been ruminating on to talk about in an episode and that's what I think is probably the main unifying aspect of, of people who are skeptical of Tesla is that rather than look at just surface level things like, oh, a Tesla doesn't have tailpipe emissions. That's awesome. And thinking that that, that singular awesomeness makes the whole of Tesla awesome. Rather than that, people who are skeptical of Tesla like to look at things holistically and look at the deeper things such as, where's the electricity generated from? Is it from coal, natural gas, nuclear, hydro, wind, solar? And what's the emission impact of that? Also, what's the mining impact of the materials for the batteries? Tesla bulls basically put blinders on and don't consider that at all. 
they got extremely upset when the uh, blood battery campaign was out there in California, which was an attempt to to point out that the cobalt used in lithium ion batteries comes from Africa and is often mined by child slaves. And that's not cool. That's not not an ESG darling type thing. Uh, so that made people who are Tesla fans pretty upset. But it's true that I mean, the cobalt is mined by children in Africa. And that's that's not cool. I mean, it's not to say that that is entirely evil that they would use cobalt because cobalt does have properties that make their batteries better. Maybe using cobalt allows the batteries to last longer, which means that less of some other materials might have to be mined. So cobalt as a material is not inherently evil, but to ignore how it's obtained is is an oversight. So the materials that go into the batteries for Tesla's vehicles and the emissions of the electricity that's generated to charge Tesla vehicles are two, two deeper level things that I feel like get get ignored by Tesla bulls too often. They think that the lack of tailpipe emissions makes those problems not be as big because because of the goodness of the tailpipe emissions. It's sort of a halo effect. Thinking back to a, a football analogy, the 2006 Florida Gators. They had a guy named Aaron Hernandez on the team, but they also had a guy named Tim Tebow on the team. They had a bunch of other guys on the team that also got arrested. Uh, Aaron Hernandez, I don't think, ever got arrested while he was at Florida, but they had a number of discipline problems uh, back in that era when Urban Meyer was their coach. But they had Tim Tebow on the team, who was this great guy. Everybody looked up to, everybody loved him. So the Tim Tebow halo effect caused people to look away from the other discipline issues that they had on their team and not really hold Urban Meyer and the whole program accountable for the what was overall looked to, be, to me to be a gross lack of discipline throughout the program, but they had Tim Tebow, who was the golden child, so that made everything else okay. With Tesla and the lack of tailpipe emissions and the great acceleration, which the drivers love, they overlook all these other things, like the whistleblower complaints, which have been chronicled on this podcast. I, I talked to Carl Hansen two different times. And he just did a two-part interview on the, the chart cast with, with Tesla Charts and Georgia Orwell that was fantastic, which if you haven't listened to that, go listen to it. The end of part two is the, the most striking part where Carl talks about the way that he was um, followed, basically, and uh, how the FBI apparently had an, an investigation ongoing and they said that it's been closed. Who knows if it's actually been closed? I, I have no idea. But... It's a good, very good two episodes. Another thing that's happened since the last episode, Martin Tripp had his data leak. So he, he leaked the documents associated with his case. Subsequently, he's, he's taken those down. But uh, there, were, there were some interesting revelations from those. And back, back to the topic of, of thinking about things deeply as a, a skeptical person towards Tesla. One thing that... I know is the case for me, and I think is the case for many, many people who are skeptical of Tesla, is that we have a bit of an aversion to seeing so much of Tesla's success be the result of subsidies. This has been, this might be a character flaw that I have, but my view on things in numerous angles, which it's maybe in some ways hurt me the worst by causing me to stay in my current career, is that my view is that things should be able to sustain themselves on their own, whether it be a source of, of 
electricity generation, whether it be a company selling a product, whether it be whatever, it needs to get to a level of being self-sustaining and not relying on outside subsidies. And where I say that might be a character flaw on my part is that I oftentimes don't feel comfortable accepting outside help or seeking outside help. I feel like I have to do everything my own, uh, on my own, and do everything. That's very much hurt me within my current job even as, as far as doing too much, nearly getting burnt out, that type of thing, rather than simply say, I can't do all of this on my own. I need help from, because we have other people that work for the company that they, they need to be busy doing work too. So, and they're capable of helping. I, but because of my deep seated inner thinking that things have to be self-sustaining and be done on their own, that gets into my head, making me think that I have to do it on my own. If I don't do it, it's not going to get done. And these, and thinking of that in regards to Tesla's business model, they have not out in their 17 years as a company gotten to the point where they're able to do everything on their own without outside help. The first two quarters of 2020, they've booked over 700 something million dollars of regulatory credits and compare that to their under $200 million of bottom line net income. Uh, there's a, a big discrepancy there. Those, the money for those regulatory credits is from another company, which if that other company didn't exist and didn't have the mix of vehicles that they have, they wouldn't have any need to buy those regulatory credits. If the government didn't have the the regime set up the way that they do regarding regulatory credits, then buying those credits wouldn't be necessary. A more efficient thing would be if uh, carbon emitting fuels were taxed from the well. And then if if that was the way that emission reductions were were attempted to be achieved, rather than all these subsidy regimes with Selected technologies that get benefits, electric vehicles being one, wind, solar being two others, rather than simply taxing what you're trying to eliminate, which is the carbon dioxide emissions, rather than that, winners get picked and incentives get put into place, which can cause some some funky, funky results due to, to incentives. But yeah, so my overarching idea or philosophy in life is that things should be should get to a point of being self-sustaining and not rely on outside funding uh, in perpetuity. Uh, getting some outside funding for a jump start is fine and totally acceptable, makes tons of sense. Uh, like venture capital as as a function makes sense uh, to allow companies to scale. But a company that's been in business for 16 or 17 years needing to go out and raise new outside capital rather than being able to fund their business by cash flows that their business generates, thats that just doesn't seem right to me and I think to a lot of other people who are skeptical of Tesla. So this $5 billion that Tesla's going to potentially raise, they may have already raised it on Tuesday and Wednesday, is just the, the next step of that. This is like their round BB funding or something like that. Maybe Z, I don't know. It They've had many, many, many funding rounds. So they're not self-sustaining yet still. Uh, although the Tesla bulls would argue that they are, the way that China factory got set up, there, there could be much debate about whether they're actually self-sustaining and whether this latest capital raise 
is simply because they're expanding into the Giga Berlin and Giga Austin factories and all this stuff. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, if the markets do recover from the this drop that they've had on on uh, when, Thursday and Friday, particularly, then maybe Tesla's second half deliveries will be enough that they hit their 500,000 guidance. And maybe maybe in quarter one of 2021 and quarter two, maybe the coronavirus pandemic will be behind us and people will be wealthy and eager to buy Teslas. And maybe they'll maybe they'll sell all that they can make that they build out of both Austin and Berlin, but or Brandenburg, Berlin, whatever you want to call it. Maybe they'll sell all that they can make or maybe they won't. I don't know. I do think that their success is highly dependent on the overall success of equity markets, particularly. I've had many thoughts about equities as an asset class over the last five months um, as, as I've watched insanity go on and watched that hurt my personal wealth uh, due to me thinking that rationality should matter. But we'll see what happens going forward. Part of why I made this podcast was simply to, to get some thoughts out of my head, uh, especially regarding my missing out on the total gain that could have been had these past few days with the market decline and to remind myself that I'm going to really like seeing those newborn baby pictures whenever we get them back and for years and years to come. So I'm not that evil. And this has been episode number 66 of the Tesla Q podcast. Appreciate you listening. Bye-bye.